Hello, my name is Philip Camilla, and today we're going to have a conversation beyond science and religion. Breaking new ground in thinking, exploring the outer limits of what we know about the world and ourselves, unhindered by common beliefs and perceptions. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, taking on subjects from the Big Bang, the multiverse, and evolution to the supernatural and the new rising consciousness. This is where scientists, philosophers, New Agers, and spiritualists come together to discuss where this world may be heading. Now here's your host, lawyer, philosopher, and the author of The Collapse of Materialism, Philip Camella. Now one difference between a materialistic worldview and an idealistic or mind-first worldview is that particles don't have plans, but minds do. So if there's a mind at the center of creation, then the question becomes, does this mind, in fact, have a plan, and if so, what is it? And this has always been one of the great mysteries in the religious worldview. It's often framed in terms of whether God's plan determines the fate of the world. It's involved in the question about whether we have free will or whether life is determined. Now, as we move beyond historical interpretations of the Bible and into the modern age of spirituality, many people are taking a renewed look at creation and whether there is a plan. One of the most foresightful and profound of these people is my guest today, and his name is Rico Paganini. Now, he is an independent bookseller and publisher who has worked since 1987 in the German-speaking regions of Europe on the establishment of media for professional disciplines and choice for education. He's an author, journalist, and member of Reporters Without Borders. Since his youth, he's been preoccupied with human history, religions, spiritual science, health, geometry, the transmission of vibrations, and the megalithic power places on Earth. Most importantly, though, he's also the author of three insightful books entitled The Giza Legacy, The Day Legacy, and last, The Gaia Legacy. Now, these books are not only profound, but they're also beautiful in that they're hardcover, filled with colored illustrations as they take you through the history, spiritual development, and future of the spiritual realm. Rico, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure having you here. Thank you. Same to me, and hello to everybody out there. Now, Rico, just just to put some things in context, where where are you? Where are we? Uh, where are you right now? I'm um, in the mountains of Switzerland. Okay, well, uh, in Central Europe, in the Alps. Okay. And um, I'm working um, like part of the time from my house when I do creative work or writing on the books and the other days I am in Zurich uh, which is one of the main cities of Switzerland and this is more the the book um, the book work for the schools about the the choice of professions you mentioned yes yes and I want I want people who don't know you in this country a little bit I think it'd be helpful for you to talk about how you went from uh, being, you know, a young person going through the standard education, religious training, to somebody that's now written these three profound books, uh, s- sort of uh, deep in in inspiration, revelation, and and uh, and inspiration. So, can you just describe for the listener how you came to have the inspiration to write this trilogy? Uh, a very deep question for the beginning. Right. Um, it started in my youth uh, when um, I was living in the Italian part of Switzerland. Uh, we call it Black Catholic, so it's a very deep belief in uh, the really uh, Roman kind of church. Yeah. And um, I was very influenced by this, but as a teenager, when I started to pose questions, nobody can give me answers. And so I really turned away 
and uh, went out of church and uh, turned my back to religion, science and all this, uh, starting with my professional work. But then um, uh, it happens again and again that I got like visions and experiences um, and then I decided that I have to search for and again go into to find like my own way so it, it was uh, really my own way my own um, search and from then on um, a lot of things happens especially when I was in the year 2000 the first time in Egypt at the mountain of Moses and then at the pyramids in Giza and there finally it starts like my um, let's say historical and um, psychic breakthrough and from, from there on now 14 years um, I was uh, really deeply studying all the sources uh, make a lot of travels around the world visiting all these places just in Giza for example I was 16 times and um, this finally uh, leads me also to the spiritual connections um, to uh, help from um, spiritual beings which you can also find a part of them uh, in the trilogy and um, finally when I was finished let, let's say with my research um, the big questions rises to to share this knowledge with um, the other people and so I wrote it down in these three uh, books and um, I hope that they really gave uh, a nice and deep overview about three big questions of life where we come from who we are and where we go yep yeah one of the things that I think is really mind-opening about your your book and I, I have read one of your books as I mentioned and read up a little bit on the other ones but we are so accustomed to having what I would call the standard scientific history given of the material world and it really is a scientific history and we forget sometimes that there is a spiritual component to history and if you look at history through the eyes of spirit things start getting a, a lot more interesting I think and again this is this is the way I read your book because I think that this is really where things are going where we're looking at the world through the eyes of spirit instead of the eyes of a machine and so I also want to uh, emphasize something else here that that so many people wind up at the same conclusion which is that there's more to to life than maybe materialistic science teaches but they do it through different routes and I think that your route is is an, is really a profound one, because you you say that you 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 wanted to find your own way, but it seems to me that you were more than inspired by your trips to Egypt. Can, and can you just elaborate a little bit more ab about what those trips did for you as 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 a person or as a being? What what kind of m messages? did you get from those visits yeah it um there uh, for i have to to start really when i was the first time in giza and um standing um how to say um standing in front of these buildings feeling the vibration caused by the holy geometry and the geomantics of this place but also in the meantime standing in front of the three pyramids and the sphinx I was in such a manner overwhelmed that I wanted to know more because it was immediately clear to me from from the mind view but also from the spiritual view that this could not be built by the pharaonic dynasties and then I started to read, to compare, to documentate through all the fields around Giza uh, in new and old scientific, historical, spiritual sources 
and I traveled, uh, like I mentioned, 16 times to Giza, uh, hoping November the next time, um, because it's exactly what you told before. Uh, I try to bring in the books together all these fields so that we really have a, an overview and can make our own conclusion. And uh, Giza is a perfect example um, because our official history starts about uh, 3000 BC with the Sumerians, with the um, first Egyptian dynasties, and before they say there were just hunters and gatherers. Right. But after all this studying of, of this place, also about the Greek sources, especially Plato, which was uh, uh, giving a, a very good view about Atlantis in his books Timaios and Critias. Um, yeah, uh, for me went out that it's really uh, proven that these buildings in Giza must be much older. And this was finally the start to, to find it out by myself. And like you also mentioned, uh, as far as I, I go on this way, as much more support I became um, from a lot of international uh, scientists on, on in these fields, but also from spiritual um, side. And um, yeah, to be honest directly, even if it's surprising some of your listeners, but um, people who read my books know that also Todd has started to speak to me, explaining things to me, and um, some of uh, your listeners maybe uh, know him as Hermes the Greek or as Todd the Atlantean from the Tabulas Maractina. And um, for me, really, he is or he was the builder of the three pyramids and of the Sphinx, and especially what it's still underground because the most interesting part it's lying there under the sand and this is the focus of my um, actual work now you mentioned you mentioned that when you first saw the pyramids you concluded that it could not have been um, of pharaohic uh, origin how, how yeah. did you how did you come to that conclusion yeah um, Let's start with uh, uh, with uh, the brain. Um, if we say check just um, uh, the, the the like how to say the the numbers of um, what's what's builded there uh, inside. It's it's the size of the blocks which are in red granite, which we can even not today cut with our machines in this size and remember that the official point of view is that all this was built with uh, copper sizzles and stone hammers right and um, then it's the incredible um, uh, mathematics which is built inside um, for example the double P or the even the 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 position on the 30th length and wide degree which can be just be pointed if you know that um, the world is a sphere uh, so there were immediately uh, a lot of points and on the other side um, if you uh, give a look in the book is a legacy about really small so-called proofs that the the pyramids were built by the pharaonic, the pharaonic dynasties, you will be very surprised because there are just legions and finally not even the three pharaohs, um, Khufu, Hefren and Mikirinos ever claimed that they have built these pyramids and if you are a little familiar uh, with um, the uh, Egyptian uh, history, you know that each pharaoh has like his um, story um, really placed in historic uh, papyrus and you find there even how many houses or slaves they have, but you find nothing about the building of the three pyramids. Yeah, And, and I, then um, the, when I started really to also check it from the scientific view, we have um, like three 
proof lines. One is um, the age of the Sphinx, which was um, proved by John Anthony West and um, Robert Schock, a professor in geology, and um, they figured out that it's around 12,000 years old. And um, we have the work from um, Robert Bouval and Graham Hancock about the the alignment with the three stars in the Osiris belt. And just if you turn back with NASA software, um, the, the stars col uh, constellations in the time of 10,000 BC, then it fits perfectly with the three pyramids and exactly in the same moment also the Sphinx um, faces directly the zodiac sign of the lion. And um, so about this and the old, really old sources, Arabic sources, Hellenic sources and Egyptian sources, they also talk about different um, dynastic lines even before the Pharaonic dynasties. And if you bring all this together, it just fits around 10, uh, 12,000 years ago, uh, around 10,000 BC. And there again, we have the, the link to uh, Plato again, which describes that the, the big culture of Atlantis was around 10,000 BC before the Atlantic plate broke in two and um, then the whole continent was sunken and caused these big flutes which we uh, find again in all the um, world religions as the big flutes uh, which really going, were going around the world. Well th this, so, is, this is one thing that I think is really intriguing about looking at things like the pyramids from this perspective. And that is, it's it's so difficult for us to get get away from the from the standardized history of the world. But if we could do that and just look at things through a different light, even as an hypothesis, there's some really intriguing ideas here. And one of them is that if there is if there was a creation and of course there had to be because we wouldn't be here and if, if there was a a creation that preceded or is different than the big bang and we put the big bang off to the side then when you go back to the center the founding of civilization such as in in what we call um iraq now and uh and obviously the middle east and egypt then we're getting in touch with the source of creation and that, that, I think, is really, really profound. The other thing that, that I think is very important here is that it's pretty clear that the universe itself wasn't created with a hammer and a sickle or a chisel. And so, and so to, to say that there was some spiritual or some kind of other form of creation for things like the pyramids is not all that crazy when you think about it because... Our, our entire universe uh, had to be formed through some other means. This is Philip Camella. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. I'm speaking with Rico Paganini, the author of the trilogy of books, beginning with the Giza Legacy, the Day Legacy, and the Gaia Legacy. And we're, st and we're, st we're starting to open up this very uh, exciting box of mysteries that is unveiled when you start looking at the world as a spiritual place as opposed to a material place. Now, I want to switch gears a little bit, and we're going to, um, because you, you do a lot of work on the end days, which is something that's always intrigued the American public. But just just before we go there, though, you mentioned, uh, I think it was uh, uh, Toth or Troth, and and these are uh, you also are a medium. Is that is that correct? Yes, you also... we all are finally right. If if we That's learn good. to handle this, okay. So so I'm not so, special to well, being a medium. Well, well, that that's always that's always something that comes up. It's the same thing with 
with paranormal powers. You know, does everybody have the, have the ability to be to read minds or to move matter? And you know, you know, just sort of my own two cents on the on the topic. We all have to have the abilities somewhere buried inside of us. Some of them never never let them out. But in terms of, can you just put into words what what experience you had that told you that you were connecting with a a, a creature of light or a or an ascended being or or uh, a source of revelation? What what told you that this was actually happening? Um, it starts um, after like five years of practicing because I had an experience with the other medium and there one of my let's say protecting beings was talking to me and I was so surprised because um, my mind always said this is not possible and there I I've really had my own experience that it is because he was knowing more about me than myself. Hmm. And after this, I, I told myself, okay, uh, next time um, you should be able that this being could talk to you directly. And I have started again to turn into a meditation and praise. Hmm. And... Um, uh, I'm expecting this uh, much earlier, but it taken like nearly five years. And then when I didn't, um, um, how to say, expect this, it happens. Yeah. And first it was like my protection being, because I don't call them angels. Angels are a, a special creation of the deity and um, most of our protecting beings are, let's say, our older sisters and brothers, which are already a step ahead. And um, then during one, it, I, I think it was the seventh um, trip to Egypt, he has started to talk to me, taught directly. And it's like uh, when we talk together, Philip, um, we take up the phone and say, okay, hi, dear, here is Philip. And so uh, always um, before a connection is done, um, it must be like a, a connection and you always know to who you're speaking and if it happens to some of your listeners uh, and the being not saying immediately who he is please call him uh, ask him and if you don't get an answer stop the connection hmm. because it's also um uh, i have explained this very in detail in in day legacy um, it's a wonderful gift but we have to take care to, to keep still this example with the phone, you don't dial a phone number um, um, by, uh, by accident and it uh, doesn't matter who picks up the phone, uh, you talk about your uh, deepest thoughts and, and feelings. Right. So it's urgent always also in the uh, psychic uh, relations that you know with who you're talking. And the other part is, um, after some time, you will see or experience if it was true or not what this being was telling you. And a lot of the discoveries I have done in Giza were not possible without the guiding of thought. So this was for me the, finally the mind proof if you afterwards see, ah, it was right what he was explaining me. I have found this place or uh, this stuff or um, uh, with this information I was able to go one step ahead. So this is like the proof for the mind. Yeah, well, but, um, well this is, this we is, have, just, yeah, uh, this is the way, this is the way I, I, I'm looking at this right now because I've had, I've had a, a number of mediums uh, on the show and various, various types of stances with regard to these spiritual beings and my thinking on this is that it's related to inspiration because to me uh, inspiration comes from someplace it's it sounds to me like a higher form of inspiration 
does that it's make sense to you? Possible. Yes, um, they are like um, different kinds, Philip. Yeah. Um, if if our higher self, if our um, spiritual aspect is talking to us, it's that for me like you called inspiration. But um, yeah, it's a big difference um, uh, in, in this example I have done before if a spiritual being talking to you because then you will hear about things or teachings you never heard before. It could not come from your own inspiration. I see. I so, see. And, and so that, and there is a third form which is like um, guidance. They don't talk to you. You feel something or you know immediately about something, even if you don't understand from where it comes. This I call spiritual guidance. But um, about Todd and work in Giza, it was um, really open speakings, like we both talk together now. And afterwards, I always got the proof that he was telling me the truth. Well, that that's all. That's always the ultimate proof because it's sort of like that's how you tell the false prophets from the true prophets. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you and, know, all uh, this, uh, there are really a lot of mediums and. Yes. Um, how to say, to be diplomatic, um, when we are like a medium, we are, um, to give another example, like a, a, a radio player. Right. And um, all the programs are there, but it depends on which frequency you put your radio and then you get this or this or another program. And um, so it's finally the, the biggest questions on which frequency you are putting your inner radio and on which frequency it's for yourself possible to go because most of the mediums are connecting just in the um, maybe we talk later about the 12 dimensions in material and also in the spiritual worlds and most of the mediums are connecting in the spaces between the third, fourth and fifth dimensions. But the quality, um, let's say the beings which are there are not the same like in the seventh or in the eleventh dimension or finally in the spiritual world because from there you get really powerful and helpful and loveful information okay. because they don't have like a, an own intention. Um, their only will is to help us to find the way home. Okay, now let me let me just put more of a practical spin on this because I I have uh, read quite a few books on mediums and near de near death experiences, afterlife experiences, and I'm I'm coming to the conclusion that there are levels of consciousness where where the where you can communicate with another dimension i mean i'm i think it's an area of experiment experimentation but but the reason why i'm coming to this conclusion is that that seems to me to be the only explanation for things like near-death experiences and i'm using that as an example because in this country uh the book the proof of heaven by eben alexander you know is heaven real by that by the teenage by the kid there's a lot of books on near-death experiences, and, and they're given a lot of credibility, and that's, that is just one example of where somebody at, who's experiencing uh, this near-death experience talks about going to another dimension, going to another dimension, seeing beings of light, the white beings, and it sounds like, okay, well, even if they're making it up, their, their mind is still going to some other place and they're still talking to somebody. So so it, it shows, I think, that there's a depth in our being that we are still trying to understand and to access. Okay, so with that background, one of the most intriguing topics of our modern era and probably throughout history has been this notion of the end days. 
and the apocalypse and what's going to happen. And there's more and more people talking about that we are on the verge of something. You know, we there was the a lot of books, a lot of attention given to the Mayan calendar yeah, of 2012. Yeah, especially before 2012, and right, now right. most of them are quite silent. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the the end of the you know the notion. This is this is one of the the of the uh, aspects of this whole thing is that when you use words like the end of the world, do you mean it literally, symbolically, metaphorically? You know, the way we use words. Uh, varies in context so so uh, I would like to have you talk about what you've learned and what you believe is happening right now whether we are on the verge of something that some people would call the end days so, so Rico, yeah. what what do you? Um, it's a it's a big question, but I know you. Yeah. I know you've studied it. I know you studied. A, but it's a pleasure because um, a lot of t people were afraid about all this hype about the year 2012 and right. the Mayan calendar. So it's very good and helpful if we bring light into this. Right. And for me, there were never end of the days. I was uh, one of the few also in Europe, which always uh, wrote, you can see it in Day Legacy, which was coming out in 2010 and 11 in different languages. And I was one of the you saying, there will be no end of time, there will be no end of days and I really get hits from mm -hmm. different people also by the internet how can you tell this how can you say this so first we have to say <coughs> don't be afraid there will be no end of the days but a furious time of turning a time of change following our consciousness with a hopeful new beginning but for recognizing and believing this, let's start with the overview maybe from the year zero and 2006 when the time of change started in the outer world over to the year 2012 to arrive into the here and now in 2014 and then looking out for the turning point which will be in my opinion between 2018 and 24 bringing this like say old new kind of consciousness okay okay just a second this this is philip camella this is conversations beyond science and religion i'm speaking with rico paganini the author of the trilogy of books the giza legacy the day legacy and the gaia legacy and we're talking about one of the most intriguing topics of our time and that is the topic of the end days and so Rico apologize for interrupting you but I wanted to set that up here so why don't you continue you, yeah. there, there, there are segments of time here and we are and we are nearing what you believe will be a change now let's 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 talk about what signs are you seeing in the physical yeah, world. First, we okay, have really to start what you mentioned before the show, uh, talking about the uh, apolic, uh, apocalyptics. Right. And um, because there we have the first end of days, and all these apocalyptics prophecies are mediumistic channelings, finally, also from the spirit world that describe scenarios in this final battle for souls and consciousness. But almost of the uh, apocalyptic prophecies of the different religions have in common that people must first endure persecution and catastrophes as well as the influence of violence and dark powers and however by turning to the creator humans can receive spiritual and mental protection on their path through the transitional period of purification then the rise being according to their different stages of de development into a higher consciousness and higher plans of existence before they return to the spiritual world like their real home. So um, apocalyptic prophecies have played major roles in myths and legends whereby the coincy, um, oh, my English, uh, my head goes faster than my English, <laughs> That's okay. uh, whereby like they 
coincide remarkably with many traditions of different ancient cultures and religions, even if the terminology uh, differs greatly. But um, regardless of the source of transitional period and the end time are always part of the narrative and have, uh, let's say, happy end. Even the three Christians apocalypses, which first sound so bad, um, they turn into a wonderful future if you um, read them once. And all our calendars are based mostly on sagas and legions or oriented toward prophets, as in the case with Jesus and the Christian calendar or Muhammad in the Islamic calendar. And so the, the year of birth of Christ, uh, the year zero of our era, have still not been scientifically proven. On the contrary, a span of about 12 years occurs in the Christian Gospels alone, whereby it's most likely that the Gregorian, today's Gregorian calendar, is actually ahead by six years. So the year six was today's, uh, the year zero was finally today's six, and the New Testament told us 2,000, but not two, 1,000, but not 2,000 years of darkness. Mm. And this brings us up to 2006, when the outer time of turning started and will take around 12 years until 2018. And therefore, also our dates of the years 2000, 2012 are not correct. So finally, 2012 would really be in our 2018. Okay, okay, so, so you have, okay, so there's some way to read these, these uh, historic calendars to point to some great world turning exactly. uh, in, this, in this era. But are there also signs in the physical world in modern events? That they will you. arrive soon the time the really we are like in the time of turning but okay. there will be like a point of turning and there all of the world all the people will see the signs but from for this we have to wait um other years so um it's interesting to go uh, your other line um because the the topic of the year 2012 also has four key aspects. The purely mathematical aspect of dating, the coincidence of the cyclical calendars and their expirations with regard to the new beginning, the coincidence with the galactic alignment and the many legions and prophecies about the great change in human history and consciousness. Precisely defining the year zero as the birth of Jesus Christ in the year 6 AD of our Gregorian calendar makes correlating the cyclical calendars much more accurate. Uh, they are remarkably consistent as to the end of 2012. In this legendary year, the different cyclical calendars, legions and scenarios will coincidence with their end and the new beginning. And so this is also very urgent for all people to know because for years all the people were just talking about the Mayan calendar which is uh, like finishing in the, the 21 December of the year 12. Uh, so it is um, um, very urgent to explain that there are four known cyclical calendars from different periods and continents all of which last about 26,000 years and require extensive knowledge of astronomy and astrology, much of which uh, we have only rediscovered for ourselves in modern times. Yeah, well, this, 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 is, this, is, this is what I do. This is the way I think this needs to work, though. And, yeah, exactly. And, and, and just, and no, so, just a second, because, because I think that um, this... this uh, evolution this turning point has to be a natural movement of spirit let me use the word spirit I could use the word consciousness or mind as well it has to be a natural movement and what the and we're not see I don't think we're determined by calendars 
I think I think that if there is truth in the calendars, it really is sort of setting the tone for the story of spirit. That's that's the way I would put it. It's yeah, sort of, it's, exactly. It's, you will see. We come to this point to not orientate us on calendars, but to do the opposite. Right. And so um, the Maya calendar is, or the, they think it's the best known after all this about the end of the days in 2012. But as we see, we are still here. Right. Uh, and an hour-long count circle ended and a new started with other five times, 5,130 years. Yeah. Then we have very interesting the Indian, the Vedic calendar with the 12 yugas. Here the age of Kali ended at the beginning of the 21st century and the age of gold began. Then we have the astrological calendar with the 12 zodiacs. Here the age of fishes ended and the age of Aquarius started. Then we have the Egypto, or I call it also the Atlantean calendar, also with 12 ages, restarted now with the age of Orion. And all these four bring us to the galactic conjunction. And so for me, like for you, it's not like the, the focus on one of the calendars, but the focus is, wow, it's interesting. All these four are based on a cycle of 26,000 years. But why? And it was amazing to me uh, years ago as someone attempting to create an objective overall picture that 2012 culminates with a special galactic alignment which also happens only once every 26,000 years. And it happens to coincide exactly with the new beginning of the cyclic calendar. So for me, all the four are based on the galactic conjunction. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so the practical question here is, what in your mind, from what you know, what is this new world going to look like? What's going to change? Yeah. Um, before we arrive to that point, um, together with the galactic conjunction, uh, also was arriving the so-called photon belt, the Manasic radiation. Yeah. And it's a phenomenon that also occurs only every 26,000 years. And this photon belt, based on the galactic conjunction, this makes like the ground for this change. This is like the sign for the, the change of the old cycle to the new cycle. And this gives also like the ground and uh, much more possibilities in this time window to make this what people call new consciousness or to go into this individual or collective ascension. Okay, so what is that going to be like? What is that? What does that mean as a practical and practical terms? Well, how's it going to change the world? What's going to be different? Um, um, first, we maybe have to ask ourselves what we have to change okay. because it's not the world changing us but we will be able to change like the world because um, it's depending if enough human beings are like awaking and in 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 all together are summarizing like a critical mess for making this change really happens. And um, for this, um, we, every being finally um, has to make his own real paradigm shift. And um, first they are like, to rise this consciousness, they are like two steps to really recognize about us and what's happening around us in this so special time of change. And um, so this is again what the, the trilogy is about because we have to know where we come from. This you find in Giza legacy and who we are, uh, what potential we have and that we are in the deity matrix. This is volume two like day legacy and finally where we go, what are our possibilities because the book is the, 
the data book is not already written. It's depending on us what will really happen. Yeah. And all this old new knowledge affects this awakening of the soul. And each soul is so urgent. So we cannot wait and think, okay, I will move when all the others do. Um, so we have to awake for each one for ourselves. And so we will be like the sign souls. And this will lead us into this still possible collective ascensions back into a higher dimensions from the third to the fifth and after some steps finally back to the spiritual world okay so is there going to be in in your mind i know i know that we are in the the realm here of speculation but do you see the physical world, the world we're in right now, do you see the physical world changing for the better as part of this rise in consciousness or this movement towards collective consciousness? Do you see the physical world changing or do you see uh, sort of a easier access to, the sp to a spiritual realm somewhere? Um both is possible. Okay. I mean, the the world, Mother Earth, Gaia, is is perfect as it is. The, the trouble <laughs> is all caused by humans. Right. This is a lot of um, the third volume, Gaia Legacy, yeah. uh, what it's uh, about. Yeah. So, um, the let's say the the best case will be that we all arrive together as a certain consciousness before 2018 so that it will be possible that it's let's say a full scansion of our whole um, solar system so uh, it's like elevated um, the material world with all the beings inside and on the world yeah well okay this is okay this is Philip Camella this is conversations Beyond Science and Religion, I'm speaking about the turning point in consciousness that uh, Rico Paganini uh, believes is going to occur between 2018 and 2024. Now, now, just let me say something here, and that, to a large degree, I agree with you. And because, and this is, this is something that, when I said earlier in the show, about so many people sort of taking individual paths to the same point there's always been a vision a dream that there will be a better world in the future and throughout history we have all sorts of different pictures of that and in, in your book the day legacy you have some beautiful reproductions of paintings throughout time showing various um, representations of the afterlife of heaven of hell of what the 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 the, uh, the day of judgment's going to be like, all this stuff. We it's sort of like it, it's a vision in, in the mind, and I I think that we are moving towards a higher level of consciousness. I think that uh, Pierre Del Jardin, uh, the French Jesuit priest who wrote the Phenomena of Man, uh, was largely right about moving to this omega point. But I also think, see, where I where I come from on this, I also think it, it would entail it's going to entail a scientific revolution and a any any spiritual revolution. And I love your prediction of of four to ten years because that's more that's more accelerated than mine because I'm thinking twenty to thirty years. But I'm perfectly fine with four to ten because <laughs> I think I think this I think the sooner Until the better. It starts, Philip. Well, well, Until I it starts, I also huh? think I also think that you know yeah. from all from all fields of life. I mean, for example, right now I've been reading books on epigenetics, and I don't know if you know anything about epigenetics, but epigenetics essentially is this study these 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 findings that are coming out where genes don't control. The, uh, what what a person is we're not we're we're not a a creature of our genes as Richard Dawkins once said we're not we're not um, robot vehicles destined to perpetuate our genes that in fact the environment and beliefs have a have a lot of say in what we are our health how long we live 
these kinds of things. And this to uh, me... They are, if I can just join. Yeah, go ahead. Um, the genes are just um, influencing like our body. Right. Uh, give the 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 basic for our body but not for our heart and not for our spirit and not for our soul right 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 and that that's sort of what modern science that's the conclusion modern science is coming to the books now are still framed partly in the scientific mechanical perspective but but my but where i'm going with this is that modern science is coming to the conclusion slowly i might add of the power of our inner states the power of the mind over the body and over reality and so that's why i think that there is this convergence going on i mean rico you're coming at this from a a very uh, open-minded spiritual perspective but and what I'm saying is that a lot of what you're saying is is bolstered is authenticated by where modern science is going See, exactly. So, and also, and, 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 the quantum physics right. or um, the new science, what we have in Switzerland with CERN Center about neutrinos, taquinos, right. photons, and they touch finally there. The scientific fields are touching now the basic of creation, which is finally light and vibration. Right. Even genius Hawkins. Um, coming back what you mentioned in the beginning with the uh, Big Bang, even he is changing and and he has told in an interview last year that he's now uh, also thinking about the possibility of creation because he explained the Big Bang like a membrane between two worlds. For me, the, the material and the spiritual world because the material world is similar like the spiritual world but in much deeper vibrations. And there the first time he has... Uh, uh, agreed that even for the Big Bang, the question is who has done the Big Bang? Who has caused the Big Bang? So even he is arriving now at the point of creation. Right, right. And I think that that's something that we need more scientists to acknowledge. It's related mm -hmm. to that old, that old saying, which is only partially relevant, which is that there are no atheists in a foxhole. Uh, because when you when you get to the end of your life or near the end of your life, I think that is is a moment of truth, and you and you and you can't help but think that there's more to the world than little particles in motion. Now, exactly. you, now we have to bring these halves together right. uh, because um, um, science can really help spiritual view and even Dal the Dalai Lama uh, wa was visiting the CERN um, complex and afterwards in an interview he was laughing, he's famous laughing yeah. and explaining that now science is scratching on this what the four world religions knew since a long time. So and, and you know Philip most of the people of today are just mind people they just believing what's proved and for for all this stuff we're talking now about we have not already machines to prove this so it's um, urgent also to deliver some information to the mind to guide the people in the right direction mm -hmm. and so i am very happy about each bridge which is built between science and spirituality and one of uh, my really favorite and um, very estimated uh, persons for this is the American professor J.J. Hurtek which is a professor professor and he had uh, wonderful spiritual experiences and uh, wrote the book The Keys of Enoch which explains the keys from spiritual view to all the 54 different fields of science and this is major work also for the breakthrough yeah, so I, we have I, to bring this together and not like they uh, still do to fight against each other. Right, right. I want to ask you about uh, about the the religious diversity here, but but before I do, I, I want to emphasize something that I that I've come to the conclusion about, which is that 
most people want to see it with their with their with their eyes and their hand. They want to sense this better world, this change. And and I I think about it. I think about this a lot because I'm I'm a philosophy major and I'm I'm more of the theorist um, as opposed to the experimenter. But I sympathize with the view that to prove something to somebody, you, you, it really has to be shown to them in a, in a real sense. But having said that, I also think, and I am very impressed with reports of consciousness raising, revelations, spiritual experiences, because if, if a critical mass of people, as you said earlier, have start having this rise in consciousness start having these these deep revelatory experiences whatever you're calling them then it's something that's not going to go away you can't ignore it you know maybe Stephen Hawking had one of these things maybe he really you know it's sort of like uh, getting high or or uh, walking in the park and and realizing you know the the miracle of the world or something you know what or going to the pyramids or going to Jerusalem having that kind of experience where it hits you so hard the core of your being you know that you know that something that something is up exactly so, then it turns from mind into heart and right. and it became uh, a, a living experience and a living believing and not a dead believing of old books right. and the only way for each being is to go this way for me also uh, it, I was about philosophing uh, 12 14 years but finally it starts when I started to go into practice, yep. when I started to say, okay, if all this is true, how I can find it out? Just if I really go into this, if I try it by myself, and if I get my own experience, which is not based on an experience or a story of somebody else. Right. Right. And this was for me the breakthrough. And this is what, uh, what I... Uh, um, really would give into the hearts of all the listeners which have not already maybe done these steps try it, don't be afraid we have a very special time for this Let, let's enter this period with love courage, faith also in ourselves and go these steps into into ourselves. It's the biggest the biggest adventure you can experience and we will not anymore have fear and terror or be afraid about something yeah I think that's I think that's I think it's very well put Rico and we don't have a lot of time here but I but we haven't touched a very big issue but I'd like you to maybe give a quick sort of summary of it and that is we're gonna have to find some way to get religions to get along with each other and and so and I know you've you've given a lot of thought to that. What do you think is the core thing that has to happen for mm-hmm. the the religion? I mean, we have Islam fighting within itself. I mean, people don't understand that we have the the Shiites and the Sunnis. They're fighting each other. But remember, and, it's uh, not not even two hundred years ago where um, the Catholic and the Protestant Catholics um, fight and killed each other. That's true. Yeah. So um, we had also made this experience, and always in the name of the same God. Huh? Right. 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 So, and um, maybe you remember in Day Legacy, I have made an interesting experience because normally, when the religions were compared, they the the journalists then write. This is different, this is different, this is different, and this is different. Right. And I have done the opposite. I have just figured out between the four world religions in what they are the same, what they say the same, what they teach us the same if you go beyond the names or the name of religion. Right. And it's amazing how similar they are. Right. And so the problem is not the religion. The problem are the churches. Uh, you can see it in the in the Roman Church or also in the Islamic Church when they use or misuse religions for their 
power uh, plays yeah. for the, their games on power and so um, um, we have first to just it's it's fi it's finally easy because three of the four world religions Christian Jewish Islamic are based on the same Old Testament right. just a few people know this so they are all three based on the Old Testament, on the same book, on the same God, on the same prophets, on the same archangels, um, Gabriel, which called Gibril in Islamic. And um, also there the splitting was finally with the incarnation of Jesus Christ, because um, a part of them say, yes, he is really the son of God. These are called today the Christians right. then there was a part who say no this could not be the son of God um, look he's not arriving as a king he's just a, a poor uh, woodsman and uh, he has nothing behind himself uh, he's a liar put him on the cross right. these are the Jewish they still wait for their messiahs and the third part the Islamic say um, this is, the, they call him still in the Quran, in I think Surah uh, 26 or 28, they say Jesus was the great prophet and they accuse the Jewish and say you killed the great prophet. But for them it's not like the son of God, so it's like something between. And this was this was uh, finally the ground why they divided into three different religions and they are still world religions right and so we have to see and recognize what what is connecting us and not what is dividing us and go back on this and talk about this and finally do you have Buddhism as fourth world religion and if you give a look there. I mean, Buddha is very similar to Jesus. Um, Jesus uh, arrived and told the, the priests all their mistake about the Old Testament and um, turned this into the new knowledge of the New Testament of love. Yeah, yeah, and, I, yeah, I want yeah. Buddha done finally the same. He arrived and tell all the uh, Vedic priests where they are doing the mistakes and where where they have joined their own point of view and turned the Vedic philosophy into the Buddhistic religion. So they have also um, very, a lot of similarity and. The main thing, Philip, and maybe also a good point to close is that all the four say, finally, love is the key to everything. And if we learn again to respect each other, doesn't matter which religion we follow, and come back into love for all the other beings and for Mother Earth, this will be one of the big steps in the rising of the new consciousness. Yeah, I think that that, I think, again, Rico, that's very well put. And I, I want to add something here because this is a topic that I've spent a lot of time on, which is which is uniting the world's religions or the, or the world's uh, believers. And I think the problem is that we, we, I'm using the royal we, have not appreciated that what joins us is infinitely deeper than what divides us. Yeah, it's sort of same. it's sort of it's sort of like uh, comparing the universe of stars versus a sand a sand pebble. This I mean we're 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 fighting over the pebble, but we agree upon the universe. And because that is and that I think is something that we we have lost sight of. And it that's what happens when when it's eye for an eye, uh, tooth for a tooth, and and people are are only thinking about revenge instead of trying to find a, that place of unity. Well, we've quickly come to the end, and uh, you know we'll have to do this again, Rico, because there's so much we left un, untouched, and, and also, luckily, you have two other books that I could look at. But um, for, for those who uh, want to know more about you, why don't you quickly tell folks what your website or sites are and how they could find out more about what you're up to. Yeah, um, the one is like the landing page with an overview. It's uh, the address 
evil-forum.ch and the main topics we have talked about now uh, is day legacy it's a, uh, the home page day-legacy.ch and uh, the people which are interested in Giza it's the same one Giza-legacy.ch yeah okay so so thank you very much and and just to close things off here I just want to emphasize that um, I do think that all signs are pointing to a a turning point to a change in consciousness to a a real theory of everything and it's it's, it's exciting I think that so many people across so many different fields are coming to the, to the same conclusion I think we could we could appreciate Rico's work in giving this perspective a lot of depth and insight in his trilogy. This is Philip Camella. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week with Russia. Take care. You've been listening to Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, hosted by Philip Camella. To find out more about Philip and his book, The Collapse of Materialism, visit thecollapseofmaterialism.com.